0: Greetings from the Classic City. I am Jamie Cheek. This is A View from the Couch. Thank you so much for joining me on this very different episode of A View from the Couch. This is going to be my reaction show to the college football playoff. You will, of course, listen to it after both playoffs. uh, Both playoff games have already been played. But as of right now, it's 7.03 p.m. uh, Eastern Standard Time, and Alabama Crimson Tide have just qualified for the college football playoff national championship game via a 27-6 win over the Cincinnati Bearcats. The star of the game, without a doubt, Brian Robinson Jr., 26 carries, 204 yards, just a an absolute dominant game. Bryce Young uh, threw for three touchdowns, but a very different game from Bryce Young than we saw in the SEC championship game, 17 of 28, 181 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. But it was the Bama defense holding the Cincinnati Bearcats uh, to only six points. Cincinnati scored three points on their first drive of each half. They got the ball uh, second. Alabama Alabama scored on their opening drive uh, to make it seven to nothing. Cincinnati came straight back down the field uh, and then had to settle for a field goal. And then Alabama shut Cincinnati out the rest of the first half. Cincinnati got the ball first after deferring and winning the toss in the second half, and Alabama gave up a field goal to start the second half, and that is all she wrote. Alabama's defense really stepping up, really never giving Desmond Ritter and the offense for Cincinnati an opportunity. Ritter's final lines, 17 of 32 for 144. Uh, Ford, the running back, 15 carries, 77 yards. You know, just nothing spectacular, and if you watch the game, the score is not even indicative of the dominance that Alabama had. There was a moment um when it was 17 to six and uh, Bryce Young threw a interception uh right at the 50yard line and there was a moment that had Cincinnati managed to score a touchdown or really do anything at that point in the game that they might have been able to put a little bit of pressure on Alabama, but it just didn't happen uh Alabama's defense forced a three and out from there ended up forcing a punt and then scored a couple um, or scored 10 points in the fourth quarter to put the game away again, 27 to 6. Death, Texas, and Alabama in the national championship game. So the Tide have done their part. They have won the Cotton Bowl Classic. After the game, uh, they asked. On on the field, Molly McGrath asked Brian Robinson who he wanted to play. I was getting ready to record when I heard the question asked, so I had to run back into the other room because I wanted to hear what he would say. Uh, He gave a very politically astute answer, so he didn't really say anything. But we are about 24 minutes now away from the scheduled uh, start time for Georgia and Michigan. Uh, There's just not much to say. If you watch the game, Alabama dominated it from the word go. It was a much different plan. Uh, I think that was probably for for Georgia fans, who primarily the people that listen to this are going to be Georgia fans. For the Georgia fans that maybe didn't watch Alabama a whole lot this year, uh, they were probably very confused and frustrated at the game they saw tonight because this was not the same approach. But I think this is what makes Nick Saban so great is that he has the ability to get his team ready to play in multiple ways and be effective in multiple ways. Uh, It was very clear from the first possession of the game that Alabama was going to – they felt like they could run against Cincinnati. And obviously that was the case because as a team they rushed for over 300 yards, um, which I, I believe I saw there at the end It was a college football playoff record over 300 yards rushing in a single game. So the the strategy in this game was clear from the beginning. It was executed nearly perfectly. They didn't ask uh, Bryce Young to do nearly as much as he did in the SEC championship game against Georgia, and it looked a lot different. Now, the, the nervousness, you know, if you're a neutral fan, the risk in doing what they did was – they left Cincinnati in this game until the third quarter. I mean, it was 17-6 to in the third quarter, and Cincinnati had the ball. And so when you had watched it, it felt like Alabama was just blowing Cincinnati out, but it was still a two-score game. And it wasn't until middle of the fourth quarter when Alabama finally scored that touchdown to make it a three-score game when you really felt like, okay, that's it. Um, so in a lot of ways, it, it was a a clinical – kind of performance from Alabama, nothing that really, if anybody watched it, if you're a Michigan fan or a Georgia fan and you watch this game and your team wins later, it's the kind of game that makes you think you might be able to hang with Alabama, except that this was the way Alabama knew they could play tonight and win. Uh, And I think the most surprising thing to me was the effectiveness of Alabama's defense against the offense of Cincinnati and we've seen it happen so many times in bowl games where it really just comes down to a line of scrimmage game. They could not block Alabama. There was no consistent running game for Cincinnati and when Ritter wanted to drop back and pass, you know, he he had some success kind of the same way that JT Daniels had success in the Clemson game. you know he, he completed a decent amount of passes, the same actually amount of passes uh, as Bryce Young did. but there was no vertical nature to the passing game whatsoever. It was all sideways in the flat and at no point did it feel like Cincinnati ever felt like they could really take a shot. So even when they were having a little bit of success on those first two drives of the respective halves, it didn't it was it was a methodical march down the field they moved the ball to a point, point, then the Alabama defense stiffened and and forced field goals. So uh, 27-6, Nick Saban and Alabama back in the national championship game. And, again, now we are about 21 minutes away from the start of the Orange Bowl. As the day has progressed today, uh, I listened to a few other. I really like Andy Staples' uh, feed, and so I had listened to a couple of uh, episodes there. So, again, by the time you listen to this, you will know the – Uh, result of the Orange Bowl. But I will just tell you now, I feel very confident. Uh, I feel very confident in Georgia's ability to score. And I feel very confident in Georgia's defense. Um, The things that Alabama was able to take advantage of, I just don't see Michigan being able to take advantage of it. So we are about to find out how it goes. I will be back recording again sometime around 11 o'clock tonight, uh, I would assume. Uh, but we'll see how that goes. So after the Georgia and Michigan game, one way or another, uh, maybe my the inflection of in my voice will be this positive, or by then it may be a very different tone. So uh, stick with me. Enjoy the Georgia and Michigan game again, which has already happened by the time you're listening to this. Uh, so I will be back later tonight with the reaction to the Orange Bowl. But Alabama, death, taxes, and the tide moves on. It is 1120 p.m. In the classic city. And all I have to say is, how about them dogs? Georgia beats Michigan 34 11 in the Capital 1 Orange Bowl, advancing to the national championship game. It was an absolutely 2021 Georgia performance, if there ever was one. What we saw against Michigan in the Capital 1 Orange Bowl tonight was what we had seen from Georgia all year long. They came out of the gate hot, scored on their first four possessions. Offensively, they were dynamic. Defensively, they were stifling. And Georgia mushed Michigan for the entirety of the first half. And then in true Georgia fashion, they gave us just enough to be stressed out about in the second half before finishing off the game and putting the Wolverines away. So what a performance from Stetson Bennett. And from the entire Georgia team, really, you know, when this was a competitive game in the first half and even early in the third quarter, Georgia did everything they needed to do to win this game. Uh, Obviously, there were a few things throughout the course of the game that will give Georgia fans angst, but let's be honest, this fan base doesn't really need a reason to be uh, filled with angst, so we were going to figure out a way to do it anyway. So um, we have to start with Stetson Bennett. I think that is... For me, the, the headline from this game. Michigan was a really good defense all year long. All of the talk after the SEC championship game centered around the quarterback position. This week, talked about it earlier today on the preview show, Kirby Smart, Todd Munkin were emphatic in their support that Stetson Bennett, his ability of what he can do, gives Georgia the best chance to win. And then we saw that play out in the game tonight against Michigan. It was absolutely the right call. It is absolutely the right call uh, for Georgia to be playing Stetson Bennett. Now, I, I <laughs> maybe I'm the only person that heard this, but I've listened to a lot of Kirby Smart press conferences, post-game comments, pre-game, during the week. I, I, I've listened to most of what he has said this year. He, he was a little different after this game. And when they asked him about the quarterback, he quickly pivoted to J.T. Daniels. I am not a conspiracy theorist. I am not gonna tell you that Daniels is gonna start the SC or the uh, the national championship game, but uh, it it stood out to me. Let me just say that it stood out to me that rather than spend a lot of time praising Stetson Bennett uh, Kirby very quickly pivoted and praised both quarterbacks and talked about their attributes. So, uh, that was interesting. Uh, it was also, you know, I, I, I think pretty telling for where this team is that post game, uh, Kirby was not thinking about a uh, Gatorade bath and, 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 you know, they said it on the broadcast as the celebration was happening, muted, a bit muted. and And, and we all know why. So, Stetson Bennett was absolutely excellent. You know, I, I thought the, the the two plays that really stand out in my mind, uh, well, I guess three plays, two of the plays are very similar. But, you know, early in the game, Hutchinson had gotten some pressure on him, and he was able to elude the pass rush and run for like 20 yards and pick up a first down. And just his ability to do that a little bit each game, it really keeps the defense honest. It limits what the opposing defense can really do. When he does that enough, he doesn't have to do it 10 times a game. He doesn't have to run for 100 yards. That's not what he's doing. But when the play breaks down, when Michigan did everything right a couple of times tonight, Stetson's ability to use his legs to pick up first downs is absolutely critical. And and in a lot of ways, it's the defining aspect of his game that has gotten him to the point to where he is starting in a college football playoff game. The other thing is James Cook going back to Miami, to his hometown, uh, absolutely phenomenal game, two different long uh, pass touchdown uh, receptions. And and just, you know, the first one, a, a, a little bit of a uh, a misplay. Well, I guess that was the Burton touchdown that was, you know, so Cook's wasn't a – the first Cook one wasn't a touchdown. The second one was. Uh, the one that put the game away um, – you know, down down the left-hand side of the field. What was impressive to me about that was, A, it was a very good play call, but then pivoting back to Stetson Bennett, he stood in there and got absolutely annihilated and still delivered the ball exactly where it needed to be. Um, you know, watching the game, one thing that really stood out to me was that there were a couple of times where it was just really poor plays by Michigan and Georgia was able to take advantage, and – if you're a Georgia fan, it it has to leave you wondering because can Georgia play sharper? And and I know that sounds crazy, given that they just won a playoff game, 34 to 11, and it really was more like a 34 to three beatdown than it you know that garbage time touchdown that Georgia has seen uh, come its way a couple times this year. But they there were a couple of passes where they played the ball terribly in the air. One of the interceptions was played terribly in the air. You know. Kendrick was absolutely on the second interception – or, sorry, the first interception. Uh, that was absolutely pass interference. Now, they had missed a pass interference the other way too, so that's that's kind of the way they were calling the game. But um, Georgia didn't play perfect tonight. And I, and I think – I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. I don't want to be negative. That's not what tonight's about. That's not what anything's going to be about for me for the next few weeks. But it wasn't perfect. And, you know, at the end of the first half when Georgia got the ball – after uh, yeah another turnover, and it was that that Kendrick interception. Georgia got the ball, and then for whatever reason, the clock management was just insane. It it, it made no sense. And, you know, Kirby's sitting over there on a timeout. He only had one left. I know. I mean, the, the, the commentators, people on Twitter were going crazy. Why didn't he call the timeout? Why is he yelling at Stetson? Well, they're not getting into the play. You don't call a timeout at that point when there's, you know, 30, 40 seconds left, you got to get up there. You can spike it to stop the clock. You can get up there and run the play quicker, but nobody was in a hurry. And so, you know, we hear a lot about Kirby Smart talking about how he, he allows Todd Munkin to run the offense, and I think that's a perfect example because every time they pivoted back to the sideline, he was frustrated just like we were at home with how slowly everything was developing. And you don't take your last time out when you might have to run a field goal team on, you don't take your last time out to to advance the ball down the field. You need your offense to be ready and have a game plan in that situation that, okay, we've got two plays. We're gonna run first down, then we're gonna turn around and hurry up to the line and run second down. And for whatever reason, that wasn't there. So Georgia did not play a perfect game. That was extremely frustrating. And then the lack of offensive production in the second half was also very frustrating because as well as Georgia played in the first half, as well as, you know, as positively as everything was going, they mushed them in the second half. The defense was stifling, and that was great. But Georgia's inability to score a couple more touchdowns or score a touchdown or two in, in, in that third quarter to just completely put the game away, you you have to wonder about the killer instinct of this team, okay? And 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 you know, we all know what's next. And it was you know about midway through the fourth quarter when ESPN, you know, Fallon Herb Street. I really I, I listened to that. I know they had the the hometown broadcast on the SEC network, and that's great. But I really enjoy Chris Fowler and Kirk Herb Street. I really do. I feel like their analysis is really balanced and fair. Um and I, I just really enjoy listening to them. So I listened to that. And, you know, once they pivoted, I thought Chris Fowler was just on his game tonight because there, yes, there's a ton of storylines. It's an all SEC championship, uh, it's a rematch of 2017, it's a rematch from just three weeks ago. Uh, you know, but the real story is between the ears of the Georgia players. It it looms over the state of Georgia like a dense fog. Can Georgia get this monkey, this elephant, off its back? And for Georgia now, there is only one thing. It's the reason the celebration was muted. This is great. You had to do this to do the next thing. But this team played a certain way all year long. They played a certain way tonight. And they didn't play a certain way in the SEC championship game. So, We'll have plenty of time to talk about it. But as a Georgia fan, if you're feeling a little conflicted tonight, now I was I was fired up in the first half. My wife was getting a kick out of how I'm watching games. I am usually very stoic, even when we're at the game. I am not I am not a big, loud, gonna scream a lot, you know, into the. But especially watching it at home, I can sit there for three and a half hours and be very, very happy. And very, very sad, and it's very hard to tell which one I am typically. Not tonight. That first half, I was fired up. I the team was playing great. Um I it I I was a lot more outgoing than I usually am during a game, especially when it's just me and Amy watching it together. Uh I don't know how to feel right now. I really don't, because as as big of a win as this is, as important of a win for the program as this is. The reality of where the Georgia program is, the reality of the result of the SEC championship game, the reality of the last, <laughs> the reality of the last fifteen years of this program is: there's still one thing, there's still one step, and an Orange Bowl victory is great. Georgia hadn't won the Orange Bowl in years. Winning a playoff game is great. Georgia had not won a playoff game in a few years. Being back on this stage and getting back to this point is great. But without a title, it does not matter. And I don't care. I mean, everybody else in the world is going to care that it's Alabama. Obviously, there's more storylines, and it's bigger significance because it's Alabama. and And it needs to be Alabama. But make no mistake, now. We're 10 days away from the game. It's 11.31 p.m. on the December 31st of 2021. And if Georgia doesn't beat Alabama and win the national championship this season, is a failure because that's where this program is now. It doesn't mean every year. It doesn't mean you have to win the national championship every year. But this team this year with this talent level and this point The way they played all year, Georgia has to win the national championship or the season is a failure. And if you lose to Alabama twice in a month to lose the national championship, the dense and heavy fog that is laid over this state right now and this fan base and this team is going to get heavier and heavier and heavier. If not now, I don't know when. We have a lot of time to talk about it. It was a great win for Georgia. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm not trying to put a damper on this. Georgia won a great game tonight. But you cannot celebrate this win without acknowledging what is next. And for the Georgia fan base, let's put away all the crap talk about quarterbacks. Let's put away everything except one thing, a united Bulldog nation heading to Indianapolis to play Alabama for the national championship. If you're a Georgia fan, this is everything you want. This opportunity, this chance, this year, our team, their team, 60 Minutes of Football on Monday, January 10th. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, hopefully twice today. It's been a great day of football. Happy New Year to you and your family. And as always, go dogs.